Welcome to Publishing Gravel, the podcast that breaks the rules and helps you kickstart your career as a successful nonfiction author and entrepreneur. I'm your host, Malena Benson. In this episode, I'm talking to Ray Edwards. Ray shares how to connect with people and be a shepherd to your flock through copywriting. Ray Edwards is a communication strategist, copywriter, speaker, and the author of How to Write Copy That Sells. He is also the host of the internet business podcast, The Ray Edwards Show. He teaches thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and business owners how to write the words that will sell their products, services, and ideas. He is the creator of the Copywriting Academy, the Certified Direct Response Copywriter Program, and the Ray Edwards Copywriting Agency. Today, we'll talk about how to manage panic and fear, how to sell with enthusiasm, how to build a connection with people through words, and what not to do if you don't want to be boring. Let's jump in. Well, Rafe, thank you so much for taking your time to do this. Thank you for inviting me. It's my pleasure to be here. First, I would like to ask you about your story. How did you build your business? Well, um, I was in the radio broadcasting business for, I started when I was 14 years old. I was a disc jockey and I became a, um, a manager in the stations and I ultimately ended up becoming a vice president of a big radio company. And the reason I was able to succeed in that business is I learned how to write copy, learn how to write commercials for the clients of the radio station. And then I learned how to write copy for the radio station to promote it to listeners. And so it, during that journey, I discovered direct response copywriting, which is if you've ever gotten a piece of junk mail, uh, that's direct response copywriting. If you ever run across a long sales page online, that's direct response copywriting. It's it's copy or words that sell products and services directly that ask you to buy. Click here, call this number, come to the store, that kind of thing. And I discovered that I really loved that. And so um, in 2005, I left the radio business and uh, started my own copywriting practice online. I had the the distinct pleasure and privilege of working with some really well-known people, people like Tony Robbins and Jack Canfield and Michael Hyatt and Jeff Walker and Mike Stelzner, who runs Social Media Examiner and Social Media Marketing World, and many others. And it's just been a fun journey. And so these days, I don't so much write copy for clients anymore. I do some copywriting for clients, but mostly I teach entrepreneurs how to write the copy that sells their products and services and books and speeches and coaching programs. And I help them learn how to do that for themselves. So you can say you have pivoted twice, first to become an entrepreneur and second to teaching. What did those transitions entail for you as a person? Um, fear and panic and um, excitement and fun and terror all rolled up into one. Um, because when I left the radio business, um, I told my wife I wanted to do that. And she said, well, here's the deal. If you could uh, match your radio salary with your copywriting fees every month, then I'd feel okay with you doing that. So I worked really hard and got there pretty quickly. But then I discovered I didn't want to let go of either paycheck because I was making double the amount of money. So I stuck 
both jobs for way too long. Uh, I was wearing myself out. Part of it was because I was worried about leaving the corporate job. Even though I had lots of fees coming in from copywriting clients, I worried that, well, what happens if, if I stop getting those fees? Then my income will be gone. And when I finally took the leap, um, I discovered to my amazement that the amount of fees I was taking in about tripled in the first month. So that was enough to convince me this was the right choice. And um, so I, I've, I've made, I've, I've never missed a year since leaving the radio business of making at least six figures in my copywriting business. In the last three years now, we've done over a million dollars a year. Of course, I don't get to keep all that money. I have to pay taxes and salaries and things like that. So I'm just always quick to, to let people know that that's an impressive number, but, um, it's, we still do pretty well, but the take home pay is not quite a million dollars. And, and the second pivot, why, why did you pivot from more, from consulting to teaching? Well, it's, it's a challenge. I think a lot of consultants and service providers run into, you can only do so much one-on-one -on -one client work. There's a, there's a limit to how, how many people you can serve on a one-to-one -one level. And so I discovered that I was working a lot of hours. Um, I basically went from having a corporate job where I had a very demanding boss who was making me work like 50 to 60 hours a week to working for this new boss, me. I was demanding I work 80 or 90 hours. That was easy. And somebody told me at one point, they said, you know, if you had a boss that was somebody else that treated you the way you're treating yourself, you would quit that job. And I decided that makes a lot of sense. So what can I do to leverage my time, help more people, create more value, and still grow my business and my income? And I realized the answer was, well, I can teach what I know to other people. So I've been able to multiply my income and dramatically reduce the amount of hours that I'm working. And at the same time, increase the impact that I'm having on other people's lives for the better. So that's, that's the reason I made the pivot. That's been a process over the last four to five years, and I have not regretted a moment of it. Right now, at the time of this recording, we are in the beginning of uh, COVID-19, the coronavirus. Are you suspecting that many businesses are going to have to pivot again? Oh, of course. I mean, many businesses are not going to survive. Um, there, there are a number of businesses that I think have already decided to just fold up and give up. Um, most businesses are being affected very dramatically. And um, those who do survive are going to need to pivot and make a, a shift. Uh, I think this has exposed the vulnerabilities that most business owners face. And chief among those is most businesses are like most households and that they're existing paycheck to paycheck or month to month. And if their cash flow gets interrupted, they don't have the resources to last very long. So I, I suspect that we're going to see a lot of business owners looking for ways to create alternative streams of revenue. So for a lot of brick and mortar business owners, that's going to mean going online with more offerings there, memberships, subscription programs, uh, training programs for their clientele. And um, some some businesses, I think, are going to decide to go all 100% virtual, go 100% online. And I think a lot of individuals are going to realize 
I need to take more control of my financial destiny. I'm going to start an online business. So it's not just businesses, but I think individuals are going to be pivoting because of this. Because this is not going to, I don't believe this is going to go away a month or two from now. I don't think it's going to completely, the effects we're going to feel for a long time to come. That's what I believe. So you're saying that some of the changes that we're making in our lives and our businesses right now, maybe from a short-term perspective, is also going to be more long-term. Yes, some of that's going to be by necessity. And some of it is going to be because I think the the wise, uh, forward-looking individual or business person is going to say to themselves, I need to make sure I'm not vulnerable for the next virus or the next crisis that comes up. I need to have more than one stream of revenue. I need to have one more than one source of revenue. And I need to be able to do business, even if I'm a brick and mortar store, I need to do business even if my store is closed. So we we personally own a coffee shop locally, a brick and mortar business here in Spokane, Washington. And we certainly are looking at how can we build more resilience into this business so that if we have to close the doors, we can continue to operate and generate revenue. So yeah, I think this is going to be a long-term shift for a lot of people and a lot of businesses. So this sounds like also that the online space is going to be more crowded. Well, yes, but I don't think that's anything to be concerned about. Um, I, I There's so much room for new businesses, new content creators, new instructors, new course creators, new communicators that I I really think the the limit to that is non-existent. Um because this is the internet's the perfect demonstration of the principle that drives a capitalist society. We don't make money by taking it from somebody else leaving them with less and leaving us with more, we make money by creating value. So we literally are making money. We're not taking money. We're not just circulating money. We're creating value by the products and services we create. So, I mean, yeah, lots of people are going to be coming online, probably millions of people. And that's a good thing because for every one of those persons who brings the business online, They require services and goods and products to help them run those businesses. Who's going to supply those? Other people who are moving their businesses online. So this, I think this is just a good thing. Yeah. Okay. So I heard you in a, one of your podcast episodes, I heard you talk about that we always just have the choice. Are we going to be a victim or victorious? Yes. I love that expression. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I, I wish I could say I originated that. I've, I don't know where I originally heard that, but it's it's a powerful insight. I mean, we the only thing that's challenging about a crisis, I mean, the real challenge is not in the crisis itself. The challenge is in how we think about the crisis because the way we think about it creates our experience of it. And this this may sound a little out there for some people, but follow along with me in your in your mind, if you will. I... A few days ago, I went from one moment being very confident and happy and calm, peaceful, in total control of everything, feeling great about life and business and 
Within half an hour, I was on the other end of the spectrum. I was kind of in a full-blown panic attack. And I thought to myself, now, wait a minute. Nothing externally changed. I did not get a piece of news. I did not have any change in my bank account. I did not have any change in my business. There was no external thing that happened that made it change the way I felt. So what happened? And I began to think back through, well, what have I been thinking about for the last half hour? And I realized I had started a series of thoughts that went like this. Well, what if we have to shut down all businesses? That will shut down all jobs. That'll shut down all income. Then nobody will have any money to spend anything. Then what happens? What happens? My clients may have to shut down. Then what happens? And I won't have any. So I was doing the what if worst case scenario in my head, imagining it vividly, thinking about how it would feel, what would happen to me, what would happen to my clients, what would happen to my family. And that's what took me from being confident and secure and feeling a sense of certainty and happiness and joy to being panicky and afraid and worried. And the moment I realized that, the fear and panic disappeared. I was back to my state of calm, peaceful, um, powerful. I don't mean powerful as in powerful over other people. I mean having the ability to do work with confidence and with resolve and with an optimistic view of the future. So my point in telling that story is it's our thoughts about the situation that cause our emotions. So the thing that holds up most entrepreneurs, that blocks most entrepreneurs from moving forward is fear. Without the thoughts of speculating on fearful outcomes, there is no fear. So I guess my advice is be careful what you think about. <laughs> yeah. And now I think that in times of crisis, things comes a little bit to the extreme and that makes us maybe reflect more on, on topics like this. But in general, when starting a business and looking for your first business success as an entrepreneur, it's the exact same pattern happening, right? You mentioned it, some of the things that you felt when you first started out. It's normal to feel fear, but we don't have to be the victim of it. Yes. The, the key is, I believe we should not deny our feelings. We should feel them and experiencing them is okay. Wallowing in them and indulging in them is not a good idea. So I'm, if, if, I fear, if I feel fearful or anxious, I'm perfectly willing to sit with that for a while and think about why am I feeling this way? And then asking myself within a few moments, well, is, are those things that I'm concerned about really true? Are they happening right now? And then I begin backtracking through my thought processes and thinking about what's actually in front of me. And it always comes down to this. There are things that happen in the market, in the world, in our lives that we have no control over. There's simply a circumstance we exist within and we have no choice. What we do have a choice about is what we do about that circumstance. We're always in control of our response. So knowing that means we're always in control of our feelings. We're always in control of the outcome. What is up to us to do is figure out what's the next right thing for us to do. A good part of the listeners here have either recently started their business or uh, haven't started it yet, but 
are thinking about it. Or they're moving from offline to online, which is basically also for, in some, in some ways, starting a new business. So one of the things that I know many are struggling with is the fear of sales and marketing. When you work with copywriting, you are also dealing with those feelings of creating that connection between the person who is then selling through their copy and the receiver. So could you could you elaborate a little bit about feelings in marketing? Yes. Um, this is one of my favorite things to talk about because uh, Zig Ziglar said selling is merely a transfer of enthusiasm. So that's different than what most of us think of when we think of selling. Most of us think of manipulation and high pressure and gimmicky tactics to get us to, to almost trick us into buying things. And what Ziegler was saying is it's a transfer of enthusiasm, which is an emotion. So how do we do that? We do that through our physical presence, through our facial expression, through our body language, through our rapport and connection with the other person. And we do it through our language. It's, it's about our communication. And over 70% of communication is nonverbal. So I'm a copywriter. I'm very interested in the verbal part of communicating, but I'm also interested in the nonverbal part. And so you think, well, if, if I'm online, how's there a nonverbal part? Well, there's the appearance of your website. There's the photographs that you choose to put on the website. There's the elements that you choose to put in the video. There's a feeling that is present in your website when I come visit it. It's either a feeling of, it may, it may, it may feel antiseptic. It may feel, um, neutral. It may feel angry. It may feel, Loving, I think loving is a good choice because when we love our customers and we treat them with love, we think about them from a loving place, they feel that. They they can sense our intent is for their good. And so I teach a system of writing copy. There's a framework I use. If you don't mind, I'll go through this real quickly. It may be helpful to the listeners. Yes, please do. It's called the pastor framework, P-A-S-T-O-R. It's not about being a preacher. It's about the original meaning of the word pastor, which means to shepherd. And if we think about what the shepherd does, the shepherd cares for the flock. Shepherd makes sure the flock is protected, makes sure the flock has food, makes it safe from predators. So the shepherd's job is to always be looking out for the sheep. And so... When we're creating a sales message, whether it's written or verbal or video or audio, I like for people to come from the, the heart place of being a shepherd. They're shepherding their customers to making a good decision. And we use the word pastor as an acronym to explain the different pieces of doing that well. So P stands for person, problem, and pain. So we need to know and recognize and connect with the person we're communicating with. We can only do that if we know them, if we know about them, if we understand their life. So one of the first things I tell people who are writing copy or creating sales presentations for their customers are, you've got to know who your customers are. And usually people ask, well, how do I do that? And I say, it's very complicated. You need to talk to them. You need to 
have conversations with them. You need to find out about their lives, about the problems they face. That leads us to the second P in, in, in the P. Person, problem, what problem do you help them solve? And pain, how do, what's the pain they experience from the problem in the way they perceive the pain? Which may be different than the way you think they should perceive the pain. Then there's the A of pastor, which stands for amplify. So we're amplifying the consequences of not solving the problem and aspirations. What are they looking to achieve that they don't have yet? Because that is also a point of pain. Um, and the fact is we are wired genetically to do more to escape pain than we are to gain pleasure. We'll move more quickly if we're hurting than we will if we just have a promise of feeling better. So I don't believe in creating false pain or pain for the purpose of manipulation, but I do believe in pointing out to people, you know, there's a consequence to you not solving this problem. Here's the cost of complacency. And once we wake them up with that, we move to the S in pastor, which stands for story, struggle, solution. So we, we simply tell the story of how if you're the person who created the solution, here's the struggle you went through, here's a solution you came up with. If somebody else created it, like the founder of the company or a scientist or somebody 100 years ago, it doesn't really matter. You, you still, I believe, need to tell a story of how that happened and what struggles were endured to get to the solution and what the solution is. And that leads to the T in pastor, which is transformation where you describe the transformation that happens for people when they experience your product, your service, your book, your coaching program, your company, your, your counseling, your consulting. What's going to change in their life that's going to make them feel the feelings they want to feel? And then there's the O in pastor, which is for the offer. This is what I have to, to sell. This is what it costs. We re, revisit the benefits, the Transformation, and then the R stands for request a response. So you're asking them to buy. So you've walked them through this whole cycle of, you're basically saying to them, look, I know who you are. Here's what you're feeling right now. Here's how it hurts. Here's how it's going to get worse if you don't do something about it. Here's what you aspire to. Here's your dream, your secret dream. You've told nobody. I know what it is. Here's what it is. Here's the transformation our product or service will help you achieve. Here's what you're getting. Here's how to get it. Go ahead and let's complete the order now. Let's get you in the program. Let's get you the box of stuff. Let's get you the product. Let's get you the book, whatever we're offering. So permeating this whole framework, this whole process is love for your customer and the feeling that you want them to make the decision that's in their best interest. And maybe that decision is not to buy from you. And if you're okay with that, that comes through in your communication very clearly. And people don't feel pressured. They don't feel manipulated. Far from it, they feel closer to you and they want to do business with you. I love that, what you just said there. Uh, I 100% agree with you that if you have the right people on your, if this was on a sales page, for example, if you have the right people there uh, being exposed to that communication, that your job is to help them decide whether or not it's for them. And you need to help them process that decision. And that's really yes. what you're doing with this framework. You're helping them just being, a, from going from being just indecisive, confused, 
ignoring their problem to deciding whether or not they're going to do something about it. Exactly right. So you kind of think of yourself as you're assisting them in making a decision. Yes. You're, yes. you're helping them. So I think of, you know, some people talk about in their business, they have sales and they have service as if they're two different things. I look at selling as being of service. And maybe what you end up selling them on is not doing business with you, but moving to wherever they need to go to get the help they need. I, I really think it's important to have that clear, clean intent and that regard for your customer where you're literally coming from a place of love, which is a word I use a lot. And some people are, they get uneasy about that, but it's not just a, a nice sounding puppy dogs and rainbows kind of thing. It's very practical. Love always wins. Period. End of discussion. <laughs> yes. Uh, so how can you create, a, in your eyes, create a lovable brand and a loving brand? I guess that's it goes both ways, right? <laughs> yes. Um, I think it starts with being transparent and vulnerable and open to your customers. And in today's world, I think we have this perfect ability to do that on these platforms called social media. We have LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest. These, these platforms give us access to billions of people in the world. And it's fascinating to me how few entrepreneurs bother to take advantage of any of them. And if they take advantage of any of them, it's usually one and it's usually done poorly. And so my, my message these days is you need to be on all those platforms frequently creating content that features you, your personality, connecting with people at the place where they need connection, talking about the things that are important to them. And this scares a lot of entrepreneurs. They don't want to do it. Uh, this doesn't mean you have to, to like give up your private life. You can be very public and still be very private in your private. Like people don't need to see your family, your kids, your where you live, but you can be present on these platforms talking from a place of transparency and open hearted love and genuine desire to help people. And that builds a brand that is you. You are the brand. And when people think of the thing that you do, like when it comes to writing copy, a lot of people, not everybody, but a lot of people think of me. And that's because I've engaged in this very intentional process of getting out, doing things like this, being present in front of different audiences, being on the different social media platforms, teaching and giving value for free. Because I know at some point, some of those people are going to want more help and they're going to come back to me and reconnect with me because of this content they saw me put out and they feel a connection. So that's kind of a long-winded answer, but that's what I would suggest. I think many of us, uh, especially, I'm an MBA, so <laughs> I really haven't. I have, I have learned that you should analyze the market and then you make your plan and then you follow your plan and then you will get a specific predictable result. For that segment, this can sound a bit woo-woo, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I would ask um, 
people who've been through that same process, I would ask them to think about this question. How's that working out for you? Because for most, not all, but for most, the answer is, well, not so well. That's, that's why I'm here. I started in that, in that world of analyze the market, find a target segment, do market research, do focus groups, find out what they want, package it correctly, feed it back to them. And I found it very difficult to make that work. What I find to be much more effective is to be who you are, do what you love to do, whatever that is. If you're not doing what you love to do, figure out what you love to do and go do that. And do it publicly in social media. Teach what you know. Share your journey. Document your daily activities. And the people who are going to do business with you will be drawn to you magnetically. It's not a mystery. It's the algorithm. And as that begins to happen, you'll have more and more opportunities to sell them things. And I just think this whole idea of creating an avatar out of thin air and research and spreadsheets is a lot less effective than creating an audience. Actually, let me revise that. Attracting an audience based on who you are and what you love to do and your passion for that thing. And as you attract that audience, they begin by word of mouth to spread the word and you attract a bigger and bigger audience. And suddenly you have the opportunity to sell things to people who already want to buy from you. Yeah, and also that you're not creating the need. They are already out there. They are already looking for that specific match with you. Uh, yes. And it's also okay that that not not everybody has to love me. <laughs> yes, because here's the news flash. Not everybody's going to love you. No. <laughs> and also, that really, as a business owner, it's quite nice to have people in your business that you like too. <laughs> So, so that great connection is also what produces happy entrepreneurs, I believe. Yes, absolutely. Uh, some of the listeners might recognize this scenario. They have managed to build a, an audience, but it's an unengaged audience. And then they don't manage to monetize it. Do you have some tips from them? Yes. If you're not engaging your audience, my belief is you're not being honest enough with them. My guess is anybody who has an audience that they're not getting engagement from has not said anything that upsets anyone. If you don't get complaint emails and snarky comments in your social media and complaints about things you've said, my contention is you haven't said anything very important because I have a belief that all Powerful communication offends somebody. So I never communicate with the intention of offending people, but I know if I'm communicating anything of any importance, it is going to offend some people. So you have to be willing to stand for something and to have opinions, which I know you already do. It just takes the courage of stating those opinions publicly and also not being afraid to be a whole person online. I mean, there's this whole idea that you're supposed to, to stay quote on brand. So if I'm a marketing consultant, I should only talk about marketing consulting. I should always be wearing my white shirt and my tie and talking about marketing consulting and showing charts and spreadsheets and graphs 
and talking about ROIs and KPI and that's boring. Be a person. Let people know you love to hella ski or that you like to train dogs for agility contests or that you enjoy going to baseball games or that you like Star Trek or let them see the person that is you. If you do that, then you will find you have engagement. And people are afraid to do this because they feel like, well, that they're going to think I'm unprofessional. Well, I don't think that's true. What they will think is you're boring if you don't let them see the whole person. So be your whole self. That's my advice. Excellent advice, I think. So uh, we're getting to the end of this episode. So what would be your number one tip to make marketing human? Connect with humans. I mean, actually have conversations with your customers, your the people who may become your customers. When you are posting to social media, it's fascinating to me how many people who will take my advice and start posting to social media, but they won't respond to people's comments. I respond to every comment on every social media post I make. Everyone. And that's becoming a lot more work these days because I'm I have more and more followers. And I'm not saying that to brag. I'm just saying it's it's worth it to me to respond to those comments. I especially respond to the direct messages very quickly because I know how it feels if I send somebody a direct message and they don't respond to me at all, I feel ignored. So connect to people. And the more you do that the more responsive you'll be to what their feelings and questions and concerns are. And the more that shows up in all the other things you're doing, all the copy, all the emails, all the videos, uh, all the posts on social media. And people feel your connection to them as a human being. So my answer, how do we, how do we develop more of a connection with humans? Connect with the humans. <laughs> Good advice. <laughs> Thank you so much, Rave. I truly appreciate your time. Always nice to listen to your thoughts. Where can people go find out more about you? Um, it's pretty simple. Just go to rayedwards.com and that'll connect you to all things Ray. And we've got lots of free stuff there that will help you. And uh, thank you. This has been my pleasure. I appreciate you asking me to be here. Thank you so much. So that was Ray Edwards. I am sure you loved him as much as I do. So I recommend that you go check out his book, How to Write Copy That Sells. And as usual, you can find the link in the show notes for that. Friends, I know that many of us struggle with finding the right words, especially in writing. Truth is that even if we created a beautiful sales page or wonderful description of our offer, how can we know which part to change if it's not working as intended? So Ray has worked as a copywriter with some of the most successful online entrepreneurs and his frameworks are tested over and over. I dare to say that he is probably the most recognized copywriter to learn from. And you should consider developing copywriting skills. When I look back at some of the first content I created, oh boy, was I struggling. So if you are struggling too, I feel your pain. But using the right framework this is something that you can learn. 
copywriting does not have to be perfect, at least not at first. But it does have to be heartfelt. Ray is a wonderful, warm person, and I highly recommend that you check him out. And friends, a little off the topic here. And yet, it does tap into authenticity and storytelling in powerful ways. We've been talking about this in previous episodes as well. And I want to let you know that Ray has the most amazing and extraordinary about page on his website, unlike anything I have seen. So please go check it out and get inspired for your about page at rayedwards.com forward slash about. The next episode is about income streams. What's the real deal with passive income? Now, if you enjoyed this show, please rate and review to help other entrepreneurs on their business journey. We're in this together. And on topic for today's interview, I want to end like this. May you continue to be who you really are and prosper in your business because of that. Bye for now.